I think the way to, to, to actually move forward in your life is, yeah, have a dream, but what's the one thing, what's the thing you can do right now, however small it is, but just there's something that says go explore it. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. After a long wait, I've been trying to get this guy for a long time, but our schedules are always clashing. I've got Ben Bidwell, also known as the Naked Professor. Yes, you heard that correctly. There are plenty of pictures of this man's fabulous naked bum online. Uh, find him now. Um, welcome <laughs> to the show, Ben, on this lovely Monday morning. Thank you very much, Petra. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, uh, there's no getting away from the nakedness, is there, I guess? No. You landed yourself as the naked professor, so and and you put um, exquisite photographs, I must say, all over the place. So um, it's it's a draw, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know what? And, and I appreciate you saying that because it, you know, in this day and age, you know how much noise there is, and I think we need a USP. And my message is all about getting naked. You know, not not just physically, but more to the point, mentally, and actually removing the masks, bearing your soul, and. Um, I guess Instagram has come to the fore and actually being able to show that through imagery as well was, was kind of my USP. Um, love it. So and yeah. I love that it is about something deeper than that. So um, yes, it's about masculinity, but it's, and this is where we resonate, even though we're in slightly different fields. Um, that thing about taking off the masks, just being ourselves and being direct, open, vulnerable. We're, we're, we're both sort of on that, that journey ourselves. So, so what is the work that you do? I know you do some coaching. Just give people a little flavor of uh, what you do. So I'm a mindset and purpose coach, um, which is my own term, I guess, I've come to. That, that's fundamentally what I want to do. It's, it's help people get their mind working, I say, to become their best friend rather than their worst enemy. And I think without training, it tends to be the worst enemy. Um, and then I, as part of that, it's all very well, your mind working well, but I think we have to live a purposeful life. You know, our mind can be functioning on all levels, but we've got to have purpose in our life. And I think we, you know, there, are, there are certain things that our soul craves, purpose, creativity, showing up, trying, being vulnerable enough to put ourselves out there to express who we really are, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, those two kind of go hand in hand. I guess that the, the mindset is is that is the getting into our head, trying to get our head working well, and then that the purpose is into our soul, trying to trying to fulfill our soul because I think we need both of them to to to, to be functioning well to to feel alive. So, what is your purpose? Oh, um, my purpose is to keep showing up authentically um, and to to share my message without fear of judgment. I think um, I, I, I've got I've got a lot of buried. Um, probably emotion from the first 30 years of my life, where as a man I was taught not to, not to express, not to show, to, not to be weak, not to be vulnerable, but to, to put on a masculine mask that was brave and strong and tough. And now I think since really the age of 30, I've, I've gone on a journey where I just want to forget all that. I want to forget all that and I want to be me. And I want to share my message and not worry what people think of it. And um, hopefully have a positive impact from there. And what's fascinating to me is it hasn't been a lot of years. How old are you now? 
37. 37. So about seven years of mm. like catalyst moment of deciding certain things and then moving into the guy who's on stage, the guy who's literally naked and, uh, you know, authentically naked and it, which isn't a long time to, to be totally, you seem totally transformed from how you describe yourself. And 30 years is a fucking lot of conditioning, isn't it? <laughs> to, like, undo. Yeah, I mean, I remember the, the first time when I, uh, when I went and w- worked with a coach, and I'm just thinking, before that, I was such a different person. And the first time I saw that coach, the first, some of the things she said, you know, I remember her saying, money won't make me happy. And yeah. I remember laughing in her face. You, can, you know, you said some interesting things, but that just, I just fundamentally, the first 30 years of my life, it's all been about that. So when you drop bombs like that, it's like, wow, this is a totally different way of thinking. And now I'm like, how can anyone think money will make them happy? Like, what, what, you know, that it's really not, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, it's so obvious to me. Um, but I think really what, what was going on is the first five years, I was going through my own transformation and um, without thinking too much about it if I'm honest I was just following this path and and kind of learning and growing and then the last couple of years have been me sharing it more um so you know how it is behind the scenes I didn't want to make a scene I didn't know where it's going to go so I was just behind the scene not really many people knew I was changing I was just doing it myself I wasn't really sharing it and then I got to a comfortable place where I was like wow this stuff is cool and I want to share this with other people and I want to make an impact and I love that awareness and, and for people, people often do the, the overnight success thing or like you came from nowhere or you're so natural on stage or you do all these things so well, like that people judge you or, or observe you based on that immediate thing. And you're like, damn, I've been doing this for five years internally in order to become ready to actually put myself on stage in this way. Totally. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, that it's that internal work that takes a long, long time. As you said, it's 30 years of conditioning one way. And it's a shock when someone says that that's not probably the best way for you to be. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, to, to rewrite our, our mind is probably so good at its job because it's incredibly stubborn. So it's a lot of work to try and change it. Um, it wants to keep us safe. Right. And so anything, it feels like a threat being on stage, being yourself, um, saying something that's out of the box that you think won't allow you to belong in a group, you know, is terrifying. Um, but what I think we both discovered is when you can consistently do that, you get a new tribe, you, you, um, you get deeper connections, you get people who see you for who you are and you get that fulfillment and purpose. But my God, the journey to getting there is tricky. Um, so I want to come back to like the, what, what were the like steps that, that moved you forward, but give our listeners just some context. So I want to go right back to, to when you were a child, because you're talking about like masculinity and these real kind of hardline conditioning that, that seems to have been set right back from then. So as a child, like, do you think your, your parents in the education system sort of set you up for the real world? Like wh- what were the things that were instilled in you? Um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the fundamental thing that I saw was, was about masculinity. Um, and there wasn't any classes, there wasn't any teachings about this, but fundamentally what I saw in masculinity was that you had to be strong, tough, brave. I said, get the girls. In my world, it was sporty. Um, uh, you had to be a man. You had to look physically strong and kind of look manly. And um, that was kind of ticking the box. If you were that, then you were a proper man and you'd be popular and uh, that was where you would survive and thrive in, in that space. And, um, you know, alongside all that, there wasn't space for kindness, compassion, emotions. Um, that was almost anti-masculinity. So my path was, I think, was, was, was shown to me that way. And yet at my core, 
my mum's a nurse and she's very kind, compassionate, empathetic, really loving. She's, she's, you know, a, a really, um, just a wonderfully, wonderfully loving person. And I definitely had some of that in me. That was from her, you know, and, uh, I was having to bury a lot of it. I had to put on this mask to conform into what I felt was ma- like the masculine energy to, to, to thrive as a man. And that, you know, wearing a mask hurts. It's, it's tiring. And, um, you're never quite in tune with your soul and your soul doesn't like it. So for me, fundamentally, yeah, the, the conditioning that I saw was, was, was trying to play that role of, of, of a man, yeah. um, which goes memories of making that internal decision, like the, this kind of sort of kindness versus toughness mm. or, or maybe some shame around hurting somebody in that process. Like just as a stupid kid, just kind of going, Ooh, kindness. No, I don't know. Do you have any of those memories? Um, I guess in general around, I played rugby okay. and, and my older brothers played rugby and I thought rugby was a pretty good sign of your masculinity. You know, all the cool kids in my school, they were good at rugby. That's how it was. Um, so generally around rugby and of course, you know, on the rugby field, you're not being kind to people. It's, it's you've got to stand up and, and fight and, and show no vulnerabilities, no weakness. You're indestructible and you're strong. Even at a young age, that was kind of the perception. Um, so that general space, and I remember just never feeling part of that rugby community, really. I was desperate to, and never really, really fitting in with it. Um, it's kind of quite a lad culture. And um, uh, so that, that particularly for me, and there's a lot of brilliant things that go with rugby, so I don't mean to put it down, because I, I do still love the sport, and there's some brilliant people in it. But the culture, I think, itself, I struggled with because there wasn't any space. The banter and the, you know, if you did behave outside of it, it's all jokey and it's all, you know, which reinforces this message that if you act outside of it, there's something wrong with you or you don't belong. Yeah, and do you know what? I did enjoy the banter at times. I did, sometimes I did, and I think there is a balance. And I don't want to say no banter, no laughing, teasing each other, because I do think there's a space for it. But not purely at the expense of, of to say we can only be that and we can't have a real conversation and we can't be kind and compassionate and have a real deep, meaningful, impactful conversations with each other. And it was kind of that side that was missing for me. Um, but it, it's interesting because when I can have those conversations, when I can go deep with someone and um, we can have impact on each other and we can be kind and compassionate, then for me, then the banter flows because you built trust right. and you get each other. So then you can be more playful with each other then you've earned the right to, to tease each other a little bit because you know you're connected. So that's kind of where I sit with it. Rugby was almost a bit too much for me, just one side. And, I, and, and people were teasing. So, yeah, primal bonding for men. Mm. To kind of do that kind of ribbing and that, you know, uh, the, the banter side of things. So I like that you're going, it's not about saying no to all of that, but like let's also be allowed to have some depth, compassion. Like let's be full, round, well-rounded, whole people rather than just like this man version of, you know, old school conditioning. Completely. And that's where I think we've gone too far one-sided with masculinity. We've, we take, we've seen the, the sort of the, the clearest masculine energy and we've just taken that and we've forgotten the human energy, which is kindness, compassion, empathy. And we're just too far one side. And it's like, hey, actually part of being a human being, it's not just about being a man, it's about being a human being. And there's more to it than just that, that primal um, strength, bravery, toughness and all that. There's human instincts as well. And so, and it could be argued that that masculine energy can breed success in the, in the kind of traditional sense of the word 
uh, men are at the top, you know, um, um, money, women, like the, that whole thing. So, so there's this idea that there's a reward to behaving in that way. But I know for you, there came a point where you were like, this isn't enough for some reason. So talk us through like where this conditioning led you. What made you kind of go, I should speak to a coach or like, I need to, you know, so we've got all your twenties and right up to your thirties of, of this kind of lad behavior. What, what was that like? Yeah. So I actually, I actually, believe it or not, I actually did quite well at the lad's behavior. I mean, I think some people could see through it. it yeah. Sorry. You learned how to do it pretty well. I learned how to do it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I changed my body shape. So I looked much more masculine um, and I could walk into a changing room and kind of be like, yeah, he plays rugby kind of, he looks manly. And, um, uh, you know, there were girls and, and kind of, I was kind of cool. You know, I, I didn't a reasonable job at it, but underneath I didn't ever feel truly part of it. Um, but a big part of it was I'd like, stripped emotions. You know, I was, I was, I was, I'd stopped feeling. Um, and what came with that for me was that it showed up sexually in that the thing with emotions, as you'll know, is you can't choose what you feel. You can't only just feel the good bits and, and you either, you either feel everything or, or, or you, or you don't. And um, so I'd cut out the, 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 the sad feelings, I think. I'd stop feeling the negatives and, and being strong and brave and tough. Nothing hurt me. But with that, I was stopping feeling the ecstasy. And um, so when it showed up sexually, I, what, what, that, what I mean by that is that I struggled for sexual satisfaction or struggled to orgasm. And I guess, you know, an orgasm is um, almost that experience of, you know, heightened ecstasy, isn't it? It's almost like the, the, the ultimate experience in that sense. And I think I just sort of numbed out my body. Um, and so at 30, I'd been through a few relationships or, or failed relationships or even attempting attempts to get into relationships. And that, that experience had hindered me. And um, at 30, I started to think, I, you know, I find it hard enough to meet someone I really like as it is. I don't need this sex issue thrown in on top. And I'd like to have a family one day. So um, I started to open my eyes and think, I'm ready to, to try and move on from this because in my 20s it was almost people, people used to kind of it was almost quite laddie you know people used to call it the gift you know you can carry on you can be a man you can carry on the whole time um, but at 30 I was like mm, okay time to change here and um, I just think it was at the time a physical issue like I need to see a doctor or there's just like a physical thing going on yeah I saw a doctor loads I first saw a doctor when I was 21 and then I saw them again when I was probably 26. I saw a urologist and I saw, um, did all sorts of tests on everything and nothing was, there's never a problem. Everything was always, yeah, this is all fine. You know, testosterone levels and everything that, that could be. And, um, you know, it led me to a point where I was like, okay, maybe is there something? I know emotionally or, or mentally I feel okay. I don't feel like there's a real problem here, but I did feel empty was the one thing I've just felt a bit empty, devoid of something. And um, I probably would have just kept going on that road and staying exactly where I was. But I believe when you do open your eyes a little bit, the universe delivers. You know, if you put your, and I was brave enough perhaps to say, perhaps I want to change here. And um, my flatmate when I was 30, he played professional rugby and he um, had an injury and he, it was, he should be fit. In fact, the injury should have been healed, but he was still holding scars around it. And when he, when he was running, he was still feeling it. So he worked with a, with a hypnotherapist and she would come to our flat. And uh, he was often late, being the character that he was. And um, 
I'd often open the door and sort of awkwardly make her a cup of tea while we waited and sort of said, oh, Ollie's not here yet. I'm really sorry. And have these kind of awkward conversations where I'd almost kind of joke a little bit about what she was going to do with him. You know, kind of in my mind, sort of laugh at this craziness that he was getting himself into. And then sort of week by week, this happened a lot. And bit by bit, I started to think, that's actually quite interesting when you talk about it that way. I never thought of it that way, actually. And then bit by bit, I, I, a few weeks later, I started to think, well, hang on a minute. Have I got an injury here? She's helping him with that. Is it, am I, have I got an injury? And, and really reluctantly and kind of ashamed, um, spoke to her about it and, um, and said, look, any chance that you think you might be able to help me? She said yes. And then that was the point. There was the spark. And from that moment on, you know, she started un- unwiring my mind and changing how I thought. And we didn't talk about sex at all. We just looked at my programming. Mm. She started to, to, to change how I, how I thought and how I saw the world. And um, that was the start of the journey. Two years later, I was starting to be a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, feels counterintuitive, right? Because you're like, I've got this sex issue or I've got this problem over here. I want relationships. And then they're tackling, she's tackling it from a very different, but you're sort of desperate enough to trust that process, I guess, and be like, fuck it, what have I got to lose? I tried, you know, enough doctors and all the sort of rational routes, you know, all the head-led routes. Yeah. Um, so at this stage, I was like, I've got to try. You know, maybe I just think outside the box here. What, what else? Um, and I, I'd gone on, entre- on an entrepreneurial journey at that point. So I started, I had read a few blogs and things like that that kept talking about meditation and growth mindset and these things. And, you know, people inspired me, Richard Branson and all these kind of iconic entrepreneurs talking about this stuff. And I was like, well, if I want to be an entrepreneur and these people keep banging on about it, should I at least open my mind up a little bit? So when she came in and was doing that, although I was kind of laughing, joking, still think it wasn't, I was all, all, also like, is this the opportunity for me to learn a bit more about some of that stuff I've read about, maybe? Okay. Um, so it was just a little inkling. Yeah. So it became about, and, and that, that's interesting as well. It is a little inkling. Sometimes people um, imagine these epiphany moments, right? Which are like, now I have my purpose, or now I know the direction I should go in. Like, could you imagine then that you would be doing what you're doing now? No. <laughs> about this, like about like sex being a problem and masculinity and you show up fully, and, you know. And so like I can only imagine that you're like sheepishly in the kitchen kind of going, could you help me? <laughs> totally, completely, yeah. I would love myself to meet myself. Me now, meet myself 10 years ago. And yeah. I'd love to w- witness the conversation. Um, and we wouldn't like hate each other or fall out, but it would be an interesting one. You would see the contrast, right? And um, often people come to me in a coaching or therapeutic perspective going, I don't know what my passion is, or I don't know what, what 10 years ahead looks like. And I see th- say things like, well, what's the, do the next right thing? Like, what's the next? Like, just sometimes all you see is just that little step in front of you. Like, oh, I know I've got to do this hypnotherapy. Don't know why. I know I've got to speak to that person. I know I've got to do the coaching course or explore entrepreneurship. Like, it, was that what it was like for you? Like, just like, a little step at a time. Totally. And I entirely agree with you because if 10 years ago, someone said, okay, Ben, this is the goal. You're going to be on stage. You're going to be writing a book. You're going to be doing all these things. You're going to be posting these pictures of you like that on the internet. Da, 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 da. It's like absolutely not a chance. Um, never going to happen. No way. But if, you know, as it pans out, you did, I did one small step where I saw a coach and then I did another small step where I started practicing some of the things she taught me. And then another one where I started reading some of the books and another one where I studied to be a coach. And then I started, you know, and it's all these small, small steps. And suddenly seven years later, I find myself in this place. 
and it feels daunting. You're totally right. The, the, um, I think the way to, to, to actually move forward in your life is, yeah, have a dream. But what's the one thing, what's the thing you can do right now, however small it is, but just there's something that says go explore it, you know? Um, uh, I'm about to start singing lessons and I, I, don't, I don't expect to, to be on stage at Glastonbury or anything else. But there's something in me that says just go and explore. Go and explore because I, I, I'm a terrible singer. I'm, all, I'm, I'm at zero, you know. But uh, there's something within me that wants to go and explore. And who knows? Maybe I'll get to a point one day where I incorporate a song into my talks, you know. And it's like... Oh, interesting because mm. that would terrify me. And I me. Rock class recently just to like get out of my head a little bit right because i'm like that's my safe zone um and what you're doing is you're pushing your boundaries it doesn't always have to be in the logical like um on the route that you're at obviously you can be we can always learn to be better speakers or better, use our breath like all these stuff that is aligned but you're going how do i explore the whole me every part of me and um just see what happens which 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 is what i talk to people about is practicing bravery so it doesn't have to be the big thing. But if we can practice courage in small ways every day, then when the big thing happens, we're like ready. We've like pumped those muscles, right? And we're able to uh, just know that the world's not going to end if we, do, if we fuck up or anything like that. Totally. Small steps get comfortable being uncomfortable. Exciting. You know? um, so of course, I'm curious about relationships now. So, so this was part of your, your pain point and your driver is like to, to, you know, have better sex and be in better relationships. What's that like for you now? Well, I'm single and I'm not in a relationship and it's been that way for a while now. So um, it's quite hard to say, um, actually, because my journey is evolving all the time really quite quickly at the moment. So I'm in a very different space to my last relationship was probably, what, a year and a half ago? Uh, maybe, maybe more than that. Um, maybe two and a half years ago. I lose track. But anyway... Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And actually, I've, I've been on such a journey with myself that there hasn't been much time for dating or meeting people. So I'm really interested to see how, how when I get into the next relationship, how that, how that sits and how it feels. Um, Do you think you'd be approaching relationships differently than you have in the past? Yes, definitely. I'm always, le- absolutely, I'm le- I feel much better equipped. I mean, I don't think I was capable, if I'm honest, I don't think I was capable of being in a fulfilling relationship through my 20s. You know, unless I'd done the work. I, I, now I feel like I, could, I can be in a really fulfilling relationship. And I can't wait for that. But I wouldn't have been. No way. Before. Um, was your, the story you, you were telling yourself about previous girlfriends kind of like it was their fault or they just weren't? Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we look back and we're like, oh, I keep dating these bastards. You know, like they're all like this. And then when we kind of switch it around and do that, everything is my fault or everything is part of my self-development journey. Like it flips it, doesn't it? Totally. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, I don't think it was that so much that for me, actually, but you're totally right. But I think because for me, it never ended on bad, bad terms. It just was just a bit numb. It was just yeah. a bit like, she's lovely, but I just, I, you know, Love. this is, yeah. And, and of course, because I wasn't feeling, and without the ability to, to, to go deep or, or kind of let them really see me, no one ever saw me. And I didn't see them because I didn't know how to really. Um, there wasn't a deep enough connection to ever make it something really powerful. Whereas now, all I'm interested in doing is seeing people and letting them see me and going way beneath the surface. And that, I think, is where relationships can come alive. Yeah. So, Rene Brown says, when we numb pain, we also numb joy, right? Of course. And it's how so many people are living their lives. It's like, let me just numb out the tough stuff, 
watch Netflix, drink, do recreational drugs, like have uh, sex, meaningless sex, like just go into the, the cycle, the pattern, right? Or even jobs that are unfulfilling, but tell ourselves the story that I've got bills to pay and nobody's happy in their job and all that sort of stuff, right? That, that, mm. that prevents people from experiencing the amazing highs, the joys, the connection, like all the good stuff. But you've got to be open to the, the painful stuff in order to be allowed to experience some of that. I mean, that's been my journey. What's been that been like for you? Completely, you know, entirely agree. And it goes back to the same thing before, doesn't it, that we said about emotions. You can't choose what you feel. So, so you, you either feel all of everything or you, or you don't. And um, uh, so I, I, I shared an Instagram story yes, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, where I shed a tear in the shower on Saturday morning because I was thinking about my talk Saturday afternoon and I was thinking about what might happen and where I might go and I had music on. And I just was overwhelmed with the feeling of what, what was coming up. And you know, I wanted to share that because that, that moment of kind of, of, of crying, of tears, kind of shudder your body, sort of shuddering like, whoa, that makes me feel alive. Um, uh, and... Yeah, just that ability to feel and understand that when you are going to feel, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days and you're going to have sad times, but you're going to have high times. Um, that's what makes you feel alive for me. And, um, it sounds like the critical voice or the internal voice has changed because in the past, had you shed a tear, first of all, you wouldn't have told anyone, much less on a public platform. There, there would have been shame surrounding it. Um, but, but, but also it would have been uh, something that you just would have ignored? Yeah, I probably would have thought I'm weird. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, the, the internal dialogue would have been, yeah, I'm, I'm weird or I'm not enough of a man or tell no one or be self-critical or that sort of thing. Mm, totally. But it's also, I think, being a bit, just being more in touch and just um, allowing it and, and, and embracing it and rather than shying my mind away from it, going, oh, what's that? No, I don't want to feel that. Or it's, it's, let's go there. What is that? What is this? What am I experiencing here? Yeah, let's let, come alive. What are we, what are, what's going on? Let's embrace this. And really like, wow, here we go. Um, so what helps you do that now? So what are the routines or practices that you put in place? Or, or does it feel like it's intuitive now? Or what's, what helps you do that? It is intuitive. Um, it's a really good question. It's not an easy one to explain. And I don't think there's, there's certainly no quick fix that, you know, I could say to someone and then they can go away and do it tomorrow. I think it is a very progressive thing that, you know, step by step. But I think, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I think one of the biggest things for me is saying uncomfortable things, but meaningful things. Um, because it's that, it's those things that, that allow you to go beneath the surface with people and, and some people aren't ready. So she might say uncomfortable things and, and it falls on deaf ears and, and you know, it's not going to, sometimes you say something that you wouldn't normally say and it takes the conversation to a new space and then suddenly you feel more as a result because you, you see them, they see you, suddenly you're connected and you're like, whoa, this feeling is pretty, is, is, this, is, this is a pretty powerful feeling. Like what's going on here? And I never had that, never in my first 30 years, but it's allowing myself to, to get comfortable with, with having those, saying those difficult things, those things that, you know, make, make me vulnerable, those things that let people see me. And I actually experienced the, the biggest learnings that I got from that was going on retreats or, or personal development courses where, you, where a lot group, groups of people would share openly about their experiences. And I just remember that feeling the, the power of 
seeing someone's heart when they're on stage in front of me, vulnerably sharing something I had no idea about them in a really powerful, um, in a really powerful way, and then me doing it back, and then suddenly seeing everyone in the room and becoming a family, and like, wow, okay, I, this is powerful. I need to have this in my real life too. So in a way, having a safe space to practice uh, being yourself and seeing other people in order to then have some of the skills or, or the knowledge of where it can take you to translate that into the real world, as it were? Yes, yeah. But actually, yeah, totally. I mean, it's a good starting point because it can show you the power of it. And, but, and in the day-to-day world, what I'd say is, is it starts actually with being okay with people not liking you. Um, I was going to ask, how, when is it, does, doesn't this go terribly wrong sometimes when you try and put yourself out there and you're like, oh, I didn't, what? I didn't play it quite right. You didn't, uh, no, because it can, go wrong. it can go wrong in that moment, but it's actually a learning that they're not necessarily your people. But I think it's always got to be done. If, if, this is the thing. Um, Brené Brown talks about this again actually really well. But if you do it from your mind you're doing it from an ego place and you're telling that people they're wrong and that this is how I am and I'm better that I've learned this. You don't know what you're talking about and this is, this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. That's your ego. Your soul doesn't share from that space. Yeah. Your, your soul is kind, compassionate, empathetic, and it just shares your truth. So actually you share from a very different space when you do that. And if you can learn to share from your soul and if it freaks people out and they don't, and they don't like it, then they're not your people and that's okay. It doesn't make them wrong or um, it means that there's, what, seven, eight billion people in the world and we're going to have different types and different things. So um, it's okay if someone is not instantly attracted to that energy that you bring. That's fine. But you might do it 10 times and you might find that nine people are repelled. And go, well, you're, you're very strange. And then one person goes, wow, I've never met anyone like you before. I've never heard someone speak like that before. And then that, that connection, that one person is so much more powerful than 10 sort of numb, average, okay, you know, nice, polite conversations with, with, with the other 10 when you don't really show yourself. You've, you've got to really build up some resilience, though, to genuinely not care what other people think. Or at the beginning, you might still care. Like the feelings might still come up of like, oh, fuck, they don't like me or they don't agree or whatever. The feelings might still come up. And we can choose for that not to affect our behavior. So sometimes people get that, like, somebody's laughing at me, they don't get it. Let me never do that again. Let me get back into my numb shell, right? And, and sometimes I, I always find that sometimes the feelings aren't there straight away, but the practice can be. And over time, the feelings catch up where, where you genuinely don't care anymore. Does, does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to get, help people think, what are the steps that they can take in that messy middle when it's like, I still do care, but like, I'm not quite where Ben is where I don't care. Like, how the hell do I show up then? Right. But you've been on that journey. So a big part for me is understanding what's ego and what's soul. So that, that thing that does care, that is just your ego. And it's just your mind trying to keep you safe. It's as simple as that because I'll say our, soul, our, our mind is craving validation and a tribe, right? So, so naturally, it's drawing us to, to want us to be liked by people. But actually understanding that is just the programming. Mm-hmm. And our soul, doesn't, our soul isn't bothered by that. So when we hear that voice and we're told this message, oh my God, this is awkward, this is awful, they don't like me, da, da, da. it's like, hey, no, that's, that's just my ego. I don't need to listen to that message. And, and letting, it's, these thought, they're going to come in. These thoughts are going to come in. It's, it's natural. Our mind's going to say this to us. But just letting them go, 
it's it's not right and actually i'm gonna it's uncomfortable but i'm gonna sit in this space and it's okay that they don't like me and I, i'm not disrespecting them but it, but it's it's okay and i can go through this do you meditate or have you meditated because yes it's quite a descriptive like the thought comes in but it doesn't have to control you you let it go but it still can come in but you let it go it sounds like it's connect like what's your meditation practice like yeah, for sure. I started meditating about five years ago as part of the journey. Um, I started with a mantra um, and I didn't, I didn't feel it really sort of got there with me. Maybe I wasn't quite ready. Um, but then I went on a retreat a few years ago and there was much more guided meditations. And I felt that that allowed me to get a much better connection with myself. So while the mantra allowed me to stay in a bit more of a neutral place, guided meditations allowed me to get to know myself better and feel more of my energy. And I found that a bit more inspiring. Um, so different forms of meditation, if you like. But it's that that's, that's I think, brought me alive, helped me get more connected with myself. Because um, it all starts with getting to know yourself. Really, everything we've said, if you don't know yourself, you can't authentically share it. You can't be authentic. Because who are you sharing? What are who, you sharing? Exactly. So who, who are you really? And the only way I think you get to know yourself, I think, is through meditation or meditation practices where you shut off your senses, you close your eyes, you shut off your ears, or you're not listening to TV or distractions. You're set, you're allowing your, 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 because when you do that, you've got nowhere else to go, but internally, right? Rather than seeing and looking and hearing and, and um, uh, whatever else, you're just feeling. Yeah. Where nowhere to, nothing to see. And that's when you learn about yourself. So that was a big part of my journey, becoming connected to who I am through meditation. Have you had to let go of friendships or people that were in your circle at the age of 30 in order to step into something else? Um, I haven't so much let go of, but definitely relationships have changed. Um, you know, I, I don't hold any grudges or um, I don't blame anyone or no one's done anything wrong. They're, everyone's on their journey. So, so there's no bitterness or kind of, I don't like these people anymore. But it's just, yeah, there, there's different energy with, with some people now. Um, and I, I, in the old days, I would definitely have tried, really tried with them, tried to really make loads and loads of effort. And now I'm just like different paths and I let them let it be. It doesn't mean I'm disrespectful and I'll be you know, nice and polite with them, but I just know that we're not going to go perhaps deeper than that. Yeah. So what are you excited about for the future? I know you've got so many things going on, but like, what's like, oh, can't wait. Um, oh, just every day, if I'm honest, every day, who knows where, what's coming. Um, I just, I'm, I'm generally excited about trying to make an impact on masculinity and trying to show men they don't have to wear a mask. Um, I know that's not going to change everybody, but if I can make an impact on some men, who finally have feel like they've got a bit more freedom to embrace all of them, not just the, the stereotypical masculine energy, then, um, then that's amazing for me. And um, yeah, just trying to make an impact. Just everything coming, writing a book, doing retreats, keep sharing. Um, it all just excites me. Yeah. So well, first of all, where can people find you if they want to get in touch and work with you in some way? Um, I guess generally it's, it's Instagram pretty much as, as everything goes through Instagram these days. It says the naked professor on Instagram. There's, I've got a website as well, which has got a bit more info, but it's generally Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Find him on Instagram. Do that people. Um, yeah. and, uh, what advice would you give to a man who let's, let's go back to your younger self. So that 30, but maybe just before that, say you were 28, so you're like struggling and you don't quite know where to go. 
of like what advice if they're listening to this, what is the first step? What do they need to know in order to just move into that first step to authenticity and taking a mask down? Probably the single best thing to know at that point is that no one, no one is perfect. None of us is perfect. Um, none of us are perfect. Be vulnerable enough to accept that you've got things to work on and areas to improve. And if you can just be open-minded enough to take a step in that direction, to allow yourself to improve, who knows what you can become. But it's, um, it's not a sign of weakness to work with someone to improve yourself. Just like working with a personal trainer to get better physically, working with a coach or reading books, self-help books or whatever it is to improve your mind is an amazing thing to do. You can be better. And uh, it's, not, it's not a weakness. So be open, be curious, know that there's a whole world out there of excitement and good sex. I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's topical. Yeah. Well, I, what I mean is deep connection. And sex is always better when there's a deep connection rather than just surface. And, and that extends into all relationships, right? Like when we can deeply see each other and connect in relationship or even in, in casual sex, if we're able to kind of come from that place, that soul connection that you described so well, um, life is just so much more enriching. And I love your idea around meditation. So I challenge people because I find it's challenging still just to sit with myself. I'm so like, you know, action oriented all the time that to sit with myself, even for three minutes to just go inward and notice that my thoughts don't have to control me. They're just an echo of my past. And I can consciously make decisions about how I uh, sort of build my future. Um, thank you so much for, for your time, Ben. I'm so glad that we finally did this. We'll obviously add your, your details into uh, the show notes. Thank you for coming onto the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.